This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 115, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a brand new guest. Hello, Haley. Hello. Uh, very happy to have you on for the first time. Um, why don't you start by, with new guests, I always like to like talk about people's history with wrestling, and I guess with the topic today, which is obviously New Japan. So how did you get into wrestling slash New Japan? Uh, I got into wrestling at about in about uh 2013 uh with WWE. I just there was some girl on Tumblr that I followed for like K-pop and One Direction related things. Um, and she started posting a bunch of pictures and gifs and stuff of CM Punk, and I was like, "Who is this guy? He's like really he makes these all these cartoony faces, and he has these ridiculous tattoos." And I was like kind of interested so i just turned on raw one day and then i just kept watching until like that was kind of mean because she got you into cm punk like right before he left yeah (laughs) yeah no i literally i think the first episode of raw i watched was the one right after like SummerSlam with like the Daniel Bryan and John Cena match. So like I kind of like jumped in right at the start of the Daniel Bryan story and then like oh, at the end of CM Punk's run. So it quickly kind of switched over to being like a Daniel Bryan stan. Uh so but that was fun. I remember like that story was like crazy and what got me like hooked into wrestling. So I was like Oh my God, this is amazing. And of course, with WWE, it just all went downhill after that. <laughs> you know? And I don't yeah. watch WWE anymore. So I haven't like watched it since uh, the, what's it? The, uh, the WrestleMania before this most recent WrestleMania, the one with like mm-hmm. The Undertaker and Roman Reigns. That was like the last time I watched WWE. Wait, wasn't that two years ago? Maybe. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was like uh, that I, was my... the one. I don't know. Oh, was it? It was that was the last <laughs> one I watched. Be... 
<laughs> it might be two years ago. I, I, there's a time where I could like name every single match and every single WrestleMania card, and now I'm just like, uh, what mania was the main that the main event of again? I just don't, I don't fucking maybe, know. I think maybe it was two like years a, ago. Was that? I think that was the last one I watched. Maybe it was a different one. Was that the yeah. same one where they had like Shane? Yeah, it was that was the same one where they like Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan like against like uh Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn or something. Remember that match? I yeah, don't really that remember. Was- much that was last year yeah the main I, event I, for that one let's see i'm checking this now because i'm curious i may have like pieced out before the main event then yeah the main event was brock and roman for that one that was, uh, i never uh, watched that match yeah so there you go but yes that was two years ago that was like 2018 okay so yeah that's previous. the last like time i watched there. wwe yeah well you're not missing much honestly unless you really like uh i don't know the fiend or something <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. If I wanted to like see that, I just like watch a Slipknot video or something. You know, like I don't need to watch the <laughs> WWE version. Um, uh, it's just fun to say the fiend out loud. The fiend. The fiend. Yeah. But, but how'd you get um, into New Japan? Come to New Japan, uh, 2015. Actually, the first time I watched it was at one of the like panels that you hosted at anime next oh really yeah (laughs) i had no idea before we came on the air here you could have mentioned that (laughs) yeah no like i knew who you were before like we like actually like got to know each other because i'd like seen you at these panels but like i didn't really like know you but now now we know each other which is good That is cool. But yeah, uh-huh. um, I had been to the panel the year previous, but like I didn't like watch New Japan after that. But then like 2015 one, you played part of um, Ibushi versus Nakamura, and I was like, oh my god, I have to watch this. And wow. I, I had no idea I was such a huge part of your origin story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like uh- I. I like really didn't think about it until I was like, I was thinking like, you know, when did I really start watching New Japan? Cause like, what, like, you know, I guess I should know these type of things. I was thinking about like a few months ago and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's right. That's what happened. So, but yeah, you played part of that. And then I went home and I watched the entire thing and I was like, oh my God. I love I mean, it this. Is, it is like it's like one of the best matches of all time. Pretty much got yeah, Nakamura seriously. into the hall, into the Observer Hall of Fame, like single-handedly. I think. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really funny because when I first watched that match, my favorite was like Nakamura, but now it's like, of course, I'm like crazy obsessed with Ibushi. Like he was my second favorite yeah. at the time. <laughs> but now it's like Ibushi is like kind of funny. Is is like you know, everything for me. Well, I'm glad I asked about your origin story because uh, that has to be an omakase first that you got into it during a panel. By the way, did I, I didn't tell you this yet. They approved me for a New Japan panel at Anime NYC this year. Oh! That just happened, that just happened like excited. two days ago. Yeah, fr- it's Friday at 
So Friday at four thirty. I hope that is that I can that it's not like around the same time that I have to be like lining up for the concert or something. Yeah, I'm gonna but... go straight from I'm gonna go straight from the panel to the lineup for the concert. Because <laughs> I think oh, the, yeah. concert's at, the concert's at seven thirty, I think. So I'm gonna like basically like host my own panel and then immediately exit to go line up for the concert. But, yeah. I mean, I'm like sitting in one of the back sections anyway. So it's not like I'm going to be like, oh yeah, I have to go line up and be at barrier. So I don't think it'll matter too yeah, much for me. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't know what ticket you got. I'm in section. Yeah, I got a, so um, I don't, I don't have VIP. So I'm not going to be like on the guardrail either, but yeah. Uh, but that's a good transition because people love anime talk and you were just saying on off the air, you could definitely do anime talk. Oh yeah. So I, I know you're a big love live person. I've never watched the show. So sell, sell me and sell the, the listener on why they should watch love live. Um, should watch love live because it's the greatest anime to ever exist. Um, but I guess the thing I like about Love Wise is I've always liked Japanese idols. Um, so like they've always appealed to me, like the idea of like, you know, a bunch of like girls working together and like, you know, being like bigger than like the sum, like being the sum being bigger than their individual parts, kind of like they're not perfect, but they have like this energy and this excitement. And Love Live does a really good job at capturing what's so exciting to me about idols. Um, and I like that, like, you know, I like the music a lot. I think the music's really, really great. You know, it goes through a lot of different genres, but it's all, like, super, like, catchy J-pop, you know. And I think the characters are super tropey, but, like, still like they don't feel like they're just cynically pandering they still feel like kind of heartwarming and uh also there's a lot of like you know shippy stuff between girls obviously that's always good you know because i'm like a lesbian so of course i love that and i eat that shit up um and i also really love that you know you connect with like the voice actresses as well like they perform live concerts like as the characters so it's not just like getting into like the characters of love live it's also the the voice actresses and like you get to see them like you know grow throughout the project and become like better performers and watch them become closer so there's like dual aspect of that um and the fandom's really good too actually uh I got into fandom mainly through the mobile game and people there are like really nice. I have to say like love live fans are like insane, but for the most part, they're like really cool with other love, love live fans. It's just, if you insult love live, it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I should mention too that I said I didn't listen to the, I didn't watch the show, but I actually did play the mobile game a little bit. When they first like translated it, I guess I played yeah. around with it for a little while. It it did seem pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Um, I've fallen out of playing it a little bit recently because I got obsessed with the review Starlight mobile game. But I still like, you know, I listen to the music from the anime every day. You know, I'm always like watching, you know, videos and stuff. So it's like I'm obsessing with Love Live in different ways. <laughs> 
them playing the mobile game. What? I was going to say, of course, you're going to see them live next month uh, at Anime NYC. Which is cool. Yeah, I'm so excited. The, it's not the entire group, right? It's like a subgroup. Yeah, so it's Aqua, and then they have three subgroups. Um, and this is Guilty Kiss, which is like the kind of like cooler subgroup. They do like mainly like rockish or R&B-ish kind of like infused pop music as opposed to like I guess the other groups, like one's really chirpy and then, then like they do kind of like, I don't know, it's really hyper music. And then there's another one that does kind of chiller, uh, like soft sounding electro pop, kind of like it's love live. There's like three attributes, cute, no, not cute, smile, cool and pure. So like the subgroups are also like around, surrounded around those ideas. Um, like the attributes. Now, which are one the, is your favorite? Uh, my favorite character. No, no, your favorite subgroup. Oh, Azalea, which is mm. uh the one that my favorite character is in. They're like the kind of they're more like a soft, pure electro pop group. But but where would Guilty like, Kiss rank for you? Was it are they at the bottom or they were the number two? They're second. I love okay. I listen to Guilty Kiss a lot. So their music is really like energetic, like kind of like rock music and it's fun to to just like dance along to and, and stuff. So, so I'm very I'm much excited. looking forward to it. Yes, I'm yeah. very much I'm really excited just that uh any any like aqua related love live related anything's coming to like the East Coast. Like they're always at Anime Expo and and all of that, and never on the East Coast. So finally, we're getting something. <laughs> now I could I I could have seen them two years ago, but I ended up picking. I actually knew more about Idol Master than Love Lives. Ended up picking the concert with Idol Master. So, uh, but I I almost went to Aqua. I guess I could have. It just could didn't have happened. But next year, if they, because I'm going to Anime Expo next year, if they if they come back, I'm gonna go. I think, just to say I did it. But yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, what kind of what any other anime you've been watching like this in the new season yet? Um, I haven't picked up anything in the new season yet. I just finished all my last season shows, and I guess I'm, I usually wait like a few episodes to see what's good so far um so i don't i don't know if anything yet has really stood out i don't know have you watched anything new yet so i have actually do you do you like isekai or no it depends normally like the current kind of isekai like no but i really like things like fushigi yugi so i guess like there's some isekai like that or like inuyasha like those kind of shows i like I was going to, well, I don't know if you'd like this one then because it is very much new Izakai, but it is like an all girl like new Izakai, which I think is. Um, well, I very might like it. In the current batch. Yeah, I'm, so it's called. I'm, I'm, oh, sorry. I'm going to like butcher the Japanese name. So this is Watashi no Oyoku wa Hikinichi de te itayone, which is like, didn't I tell you to make my abilities average in the next life? Oh yeah, I've so, heard of that one. Yeah, but yeah, the first episode was like really, really cute and like you know just really funny. 
So it's like very much like a light of another like lighthearted isekai, very kind of similar to uh, the time I was reincarnated as a slime, but this oh, yeah. time like centered around like an all like an all girl troop. So that one's my favorite of the ones I've seen in the first episode of so far. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to check that out then because yeah all girl if it's all girl it's fine it's like what i don't like is kind of like the reason i don't like a lot of new isekai is because it's like centered on like these like kind of average male characters who like suddenly have like a like a bunch of like beautiful like magic women surrounding them that are like all like oh and i'm like i don't buy this (laughs) i'm like no way but if it's all girls (laughs) it's fine i know like fucking overlord which I couldn't. I tried to watch it. I gave up after a few episodes because just like this guy sucks, and like everyone wants acts like he's the greatest thing of all time. It's very like, or, or I think he like reprograms one of them to be like subservient to him. It's like very gross. But, what the hell? Um, <laughs> it's like really kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that was a really pop popular one, but um, the only other thing I've seen in the first episode of so far is uh, Blade of the Immortal, the new the new remake that's on amazon which is good but also like incredibly violent so <laughs> gotta recommend to anybody listening don't just don't check that out if you're squeamish because there's a lot going on there i i um, mean i'm good with violent i might check it out as long as it's like violent like you know like just like bloody and like fighting and not like weird like sexy violence that i don't like it's definitely not sexy it's definitely not sexy I mean, okay. there is, it is very gross. It is definitely not. So, it's like a revenge. It's like a very like samurai revenge tale kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's very violent. But all right. um, it has like I've a met- very all-star. It's like an all-star team, like making it apparently. So, um, but yeah, it's like, a, it's an interesting one. And then the other <laughs> thing I've been watching lately, which, which is not new, but it was actually from last year, but I missed it was, uh, Wotaku no koe wa muzukashi, which is like dating is hard for otaku. Oh yeah, which, yeah. I wanna watch that one. You know? Yeah. That sounds like, good. It's really it is really cute and funny. And I find it, it it's just like very rarely do you get characters like that on TV, even in anime, because it's like, you know, you have like two Fujoshi, um, you know, and you have a guy otaku who's like I don't know, like he's he's like a total you know nerd, but like he's not. I don't know. I don't know how to, how to say this. He's not like so antisocial that you can't even talk to him, which I feel like is the only kind of male nerd they really show, you know. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And he's still like a you know an actual nice guy down in the middle, you know, when it get when you get right down to it, which you know not quote unquote nice guy. Oh but, yeah. Um, but the two, but yeah, it's just like really different kind of characters and. You know, really, I think goes into it's like an age group too that's not really covered a lot in anime. It's like people in their twenties, like working at like this office. So, I definitely recommend that one. It's very a very different type of like romance slash like slice of life thing. So, I definitely like my... I like anything with characters who are like in their twenties, like that are like realistic because then it's like, oh, I can relate to this. This is like when I watched like um, Gretzko, I was like, oh my God, even though this is an entirely different country, it's an entirely different culture. I have had this experience before, which was like, you know, normally in anime, it's like, 
Yeah, I've never piloted giant robot, and I'm also not like 14, so. <laughs> but we're all Shinji in our hearts, so. <laughs> well, I actually was 14 when I watched Evangelion, so maybe that's not the example I should have used. So. <laughs> You could yeah. use like victory. You could use like victory Gundam, where the pilot's like fucking ten. Oh god! <laughs> like that was where they they got really like it, they just kept getting younger or something. And by the time we got to victory Gundam, and it's like a ten year old in like the fucking in in the most like grisly one he ever did because it's basically like the French Revolution in space. I don't, I don't know how oh to describe god. it. Oh my god! Which like, which why are we have it? Vic, victory Gundam. Okay, it was like the last, the last one Tomino did, thankfully, before until he came back for turn A. But yeah, this was like the height of his depression, and it's just like, you know, little this, this there's an a sequence early on where this like small child sees like a nightmare of tons of people being beheaded by guillotines, and just like, how is this aired, presumably oh for children? What the fuck are we doing? I know. Sometimes, sometimes I had that thought when I watch anime. I'm like, wait, hold on. This was like, this was not like a 3 a.m. one. This was a primetime one. Are Are you sure? <laughs> it was like Saturday afternoon for the kiddies. Just this kid imagining people getting beheaded. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh it was really bizarre, but I I don't know. I guess you're allowed to do that. If you sell enough robots, you can do yeah. anything, I guess. Sell <laughs> yeah. them model kits. Uh, but yeah, so there's anime chat, since people seem to enjoy that. I guess we should go ahead and get to the actual reason people are here, which is the King of Pro Wrestling review. So, um, a couple notes before we get into the actual show. First of all, I think the most obvious thing is, uh, if you didn't hear, there was a typhoon in Japan. Um, you know, very very sorry to hear about anybody that lost their life and i think the death toll was at like 37 last oh, wow. time i heard yeah so it got, it got up there finally but like it, it was like in single digits for a while so i certainly just you know were able to confirm more dead so that's very sad um yeah. you know there's a, there was a lot of damage um you know for a little while i wasn't even sure there, there was going to be a show at all but you know um I guess they, the the trains are back running, I think, on Sunday by, like, 1 p.m. So once I heard that, I figured they would probably be able to run the show. Uh, the, the dojo got completely flooded. I don't know if you saw those pictures. Oh, yeah, I saw those. And uh, they were talking about that a lot on English commentary. I don't know which track you listen to. Um, yeah, I listened to English. Yeah, they were talking about that one a lot. And I saw the pictures online. I was like, oh, my God. It was... Yeah. It's just, it's upsetting. But, I mean, it's, you know, you never want to hear about people dying, but I guess it could, it could have been a lot worse. So, you know, hopefully they're able to recover and rebuild. Um, Unfortunately, I'm I'm actually surprised there were more people that couldn't make it, but uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and John Moxley both didn't make it in time. Um. Everybody else did though. So like Kevin, because I know Kevin Kelly and Lance Archer and uh, Will Ospreay. I'm trying to think who else was flying in. Uh, that might be it actually, because a lot of the other, a lot of the other foreigners live there now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot. So they all made it in in time. But uh, you know, Moxley and Zach, 
Zach did not make it. So that resulted in a bunch of changes. Uh, Zach was supposed to be in a six-man tag um, with again, with Suzuki going against LIJ. And uh, John Moxie, of course, was supposed to defend the U.S. title against Juice Robinson. Uh, so the U.S. title match got changed to – well, first of all, Moxie got stripped to the U.S. title, which – um, you know, it was a little surprising at first, but they did bring it up and there is precedent where like, basically the rule is if you're the champion and you're scheduled for defense, you can't defend it for any reason. Then they strip you. Cause yeah, the last time- I mean, oh, sorry, it's like ahead. unfair. It's like unfair, but at the same time it's like, Oh yeah, I guess it makes sense. You know, keep things moving. Yeah. I mean, the last time it happened was when, uh, Togi Makave got the flu and couldn't do it yeah. against Ishii for the never title. So they changed it to Ishii versus someone, um, you know, for a, you know, to, to a decision match, which, you know, isn't really fair either. I mean, he got the flu. It's not like he was. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but, but this, this, like, you're, like you're saying could be even more unfair if you want to look at it that way, because, you know, there was a fucking typhoon. <laughs> John Moxley can't do much about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was changed to Juice versus, um, you know, changed to Juice and Lance Archer for the US title. So Archer came out of his tag match. Uh, a bunch of stuff got shuffled around. Poor Bushi and Taguchi ended up off the show completely. I was like, but, when I saw uh, there's no Bushi, I was like, there's so much, so much injustice against Bushi right now. He doesn't get to be in tag <laughs> league, and now he's kicked off of a show. It's like, you know, this guy can't catch a break. Really annoying. It is true. I mean, he was, you you were there. He was like surprisingly popular in America. Like, yeah, they liked, they liked them from Bushi. I mean, so. I love Bushi, so I was I was pretty happy about that. You know, I like I like Bushi too. I don't know why he yeah. gets so much hate sometimes, but. Does he get hate? I feel like people just mostly like don't talk about him a lot. You'll see some people bring him up as like one of the worst people on the roster, which I'm like, I I don't think that's what? true. Like I don't like the worst people on the roster to me is like Eugirio and like Fale. And, of course. And I'm like, Bushi is like way above those folks. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was a bunch of card changes, basically. Six mans became regular tags, which is probably honestly an improvement. But and obviously the US title match changed. The one thing that like was a little weird when is they changed the card order and moved that go to a white six man like right in between all those singles matches, which I was like, I don't know why they changed that. They didn't have to <laughs> they didn't really I, yeah. have to be changed. I thought it was weird. It was really like, weird. I mean it kind of worked out for me because I kind of needed like a break. Like I was like, oh, I can go, you know like make some more coffee or something. So I kind of like yeah. did spend part of that match just kind of like, you know, standing by my coffee maker, like looking at my like laptop screen from afar, like not being able to hear anything because didn't have my headphones in. So that match was kind of like, you know, whatever. But everything else I was like really glued to the screen. So it was good to have a break. Yeah. Um. So did you watch this live or no? Yeah, I watched it live. Um, the only match mm-hmm. that I missed live was the first one. So when you said, oh, I have to watch, I'm still watching the show. I was like, oh, wait, I never watched the opening match. So I went back and I watched that. <laughs> okay. Well, that worked out, I guess. Yeah. Um, the other big thing is the attendance, which despite, again, we just mentioned there was a typhoon. Presumably some people... Um, who planned on going 
you know, probably couldn't make it because of the typhoon or would have gone, uh, you know, because the typhoon didn't make it. But they, they still announced 9,573, which is pretty damn good, again, in the middle of a typhoon. Yeah. Um, last, last year it did 9,172. So, just again, despite typhoon, this was up from last year, which, you know, doesn't – I can't say I'm really surprised because despite yeah. – what some people in the West might think uh, of him. Sonata is very popular. Uh, and obviously, you know, everybody knows Okada is popular. And then, and then Ibushi Evil is also a very strong semi-main. So Yeah. And of um, course, last year was like literally the worst main event. So. <laughs> last year was like awful. <laughs> last, like, I'm pretty sure Cody is like an anti-draw in Japan. Like that has to be it. Because like, they're okay with Kenny, and obviously Ibushi's a draw. So, you know, I guess I guess I mean, it has Cody wasn't. I was what? gonna say wasn't Cody. I guess Cody was in the semi main. Cody was in the semi main of that Dontaku night one that drew really badly in 2018 when he was facing, I guess facing Ibushi. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I like forgot Kenny that. Page in the main. I forgot that match. Oh god. Yeah, I for I like blocked out most of the whole like bullet club feud and now it's like coming back. I'm like, oh yeah, that was like so terrible. <laughs> that yeah. was I mean that's like the number one reason. Oh sorry. I was gonna say that's like the number one reason why I thought twenty eighteen was bad. It was like pretty much just a bullet club feud. And, yeah, no, same. For me it was like like the bullet club feud, and then they're like you know, it just started off bad and it just kept getting worse. I felt like, you know, like it started off bad with like the like Naito like losing and then it's just like I'm like it can't get worse from here and then it did. You know, it did. Yeah. Well, but but twenty nineteen has been a lot better because we haven't if anything, we haven't had, you know, a book club civil war the entire year and it doesn't feel like code is being wasted. So. Yeah. Like, I haven't loved 2019, but it's, like, a significant improvement from last year. So, to me, that's that's that that's at least, like, you know, something. I don't hate it this year. You know? I think I'm, I like it a lot more than you do, but it's still, still for sure, way, way better than last year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's we're gonna go reverse order here, especially since uh, the top part of this card was you know pretty big. So let's start with the Okada Sonata main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Title. Um, this was their fourth meeting of the year. Um, you know, listeners will know that I, you know, really enjoyed two of the meetings, uh, the New Japan Cup match and the G1 final. Oh, not G1 final, the G1 match, both of which I went four and three quarter stars on. I did not like the Dontaku title match nearly as much. Um, you know, it was below four on that. What did you think of the first three meetings? Did you like two of them as much as I did? Or did you like did you just love all of them? Did you hate all of them? I'm kind of like a little like eh on the entire feud. I actually don't think I watched the was it the which one? I didn't watch one of them. I think I watched I know I watched a G1 one, and I'm pretty sure I watched the New Japan Cup. One which I liked, but I wasn't like super, like super into. Like I liked, but I liked it. And then like it just feel like I don't know. I feel like the the few just isn't that interesting to me. I think like they're too similar to me to be like 
interesting because they're both like really stoic. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. I guess I need something really flamboyant to kind of offset that. You know, like you see like Okada versus like Tanahashi, and Tanahashi is like, you know, like has like a, you know, loud not afraid to speak out really flamboyant and then like okada is the perfect foil like even with kenny like i mean kenny's obnoxious but it works like when it's against okada whereas i feel like with sanada it's kind of like okada is the the more emotional one here which is really strange dynamic to me i guess yeah but i mean it's like a good match to watch in terms of like you know, obviously they're both super athletic and, you know, it's not like it's like, oh my God, this is terrible. It just feels like kind of like not quite there for me. It doesn't like really hit where I need it to. Excepting like at the end when Sonata was like crying, I finally felt like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I'll like, maybe if I rewatch it, I'll get something from it. But I don't know. I just I just feel like it doesn't quite hit me on the, the level I want it to. Yeah, I, I can hear you. Um, I, I really liked, like I said, two of the three. And this one I was going to say is like right in between the ones I really liked and the ones I didn't really like. Yeah. Um, you know, like I thought for long stretches, you know, the, the problem I have with it basically is I thought it started out really, really hot. You know, Okada goes right for that shotgun drop kick of the bell. Yeah. Um, you know, the match starts super fast, and you you know they go for the moonsault and the rainmaker and the skull end, and the crowd's going nuts. And then I thought it like kind of slowed down artificially, and you know, Okada, we get like five minutes in, we get that like that really long Okada chin lock. Yeah. Um, so it just felt like okay at that point it's like I was honestly kind of worried when I first saw how much time was left that they were going to do the sixty minute draw that people had speculated, but. As the oh, yeah, I was on. nervous. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I was nervous about that too, the entire match. As, <laughs> as the match went on, I thought it was a little less likely because it didn't feel like they were going for some stuff too soon. But, um, you know, it, it still went very long, as we'll, we'll mention. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like Sonata, he used a one-man, there was like a one-man magic color used on the guardrail on the floor, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And then we got the big dive over the guardrail by Okada. Um, I will say my most hated spot in the match was right after that, where like Okada like stops Red Shoes from counting Sonata out, which is I I think that's kind of first of all it's kind of stupid when you think about it. It's like your your title's on the line here, man. You should just take the count out. But second of all, if he goes on to win, which of course he did, it kind of makes Sonata look, look like a geek because this man like saved you from getting counted out, and then he's just like beats you anyway. Yeah. Um, but then at that guess, point, Sonata just keeps, like, selling. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that it just, I guess it's, like, the idea is, like, oh, look, Okada's, like, you know, he really takes Sonata seriously, and, you know, he really wants to fight him, and he's not, like, as arrogant, like, in the same way that it's not about, like, oh, yeah, I can beat this guy. That's about, oh, I want to test myself or something. But, yeah, it's, I, I agree. Like, it's still pretty, like ridiculous like it doesn't make sense if the whole point of a match is winning a match you know yeah uh 15 minutes in is where i think it really picked up uh you got like a a big comeback from sonata including a dive to the floor i uh, put him in the paradise lock and 
you know, kind of killed a little bit of time with that. But then Okada came out of nowhere with a shotgun drop kick as a counter, which yeah. is, I think, the coolest that move has ever looked as a counter. Um, then we had our first real issue with the match here where Sonata started locking in the skull end and he keeps like locking it in, but the crowd just doesn't buy that that's going to be the finish. I just think it maybe, I guess it was too early for yeah. skull end. And this is where you get into the issue where like, I think new Japan has trained fans on these big IWGP title matches to know that they're going to go like at least 30 minutes, um, which is not necessarily a good thing to train your fans to because, oh, yeah. you know, here, I mean, here you have like a, a, a skull. What do you think about it? A finisher? Because this was like twenty minutes in the match. A finisher twenty minutes in the match. Your crowd should be be able to buy that it's going to win. And it's not just that they couldn't believe Sonata was going to win because later on, when Sonata had uh, you know a chance to win, the crowd actually did buy the near falls and stuff. It's just more like they didn't think it was going to be over twenty minutes in. And at this point, like Okada, he like struggles out of the skull and he hits a rainmaker. And I rewound this to make sure it was a real rainmaker. Like he did the spin and everything. But when he got one arm on Sonata, again, the crowd did not think a Rainmaker was going to end the match. And we're, 25, we're like 25 minutes in at this point. So it was a very weird near fall because I can't remember the last time a real Rainmaker like got no reaction like that. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I've been kind of having that problem too. And with this match specifically, like I thought they were going to go like at least like 45 minutes because people are like, Oh yeah, they're gonna do a sixty-minute draw, and I'm like, that sounds unlikely. But I'm gonna prepare for it to be like at least forty-five minutes, and then it was yeah. so like when it hit like when they announced it was like thirty-five minutes, I was like, oh good, it's like finally gonna get to like the big end sprint, and then it ended like three minutes later. So it felt like kind of like <laughs> I, it's like it's like I felt like I could have enjoyed the match more if. I hadn't like expected it to be longer than it was. Like some matches I just enjoy more like after they've happened and I know what the result is. And I feel like this is one of those where like, I don't have to be like nervous about it being like a slog. I can just enjoy it and know what I'm going to get. Yeah. Um, but I thought the work itself was actually really good, yeah. especially from the 15 minute part. And here, like once Sonata, Sonata goes to Skullland again, uh, again, there's not a lot of crowd buying on it, but after he like puts him out and then hits, a, goes to the double moonsault and Okada gets his knees up. Now the crowd, for whatever reason, is like going nuts. Like all of a sudden they're just like on a gigantic Sonata chant. So it almost feels like now the crowd's like, okay, we're like 30 minutes in. Now we buy that this match could end. Which again, I think is a problem that New Japan needs to like maybe retrain their fans and have a couple IWGP title matches go 20 minutes so they get back, you know, they at least think it's a possibility it could end before 30. But everything after this, like the crowd's going nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, Okada, like he rope walks out of the skull end. Uh, he hits a spinning tombstone. But Sonata, I think he might be the first person to ever counter the Rainmaker after the spinning tombstone. Because that move ever since Okada used it has been like complete death. Yeah. So he he does he does counter out of the Rainmaker. Like he kicks his way out of it after that. Um he gets like he goes for a Japanese leg clutch hold, and the crowd here, the crowd thinks Sonata is about to pin Okada with a flash pin to win the title. Like they go nuts for that near fall. Um they go back to Skull End. 
the crowd again actually is now believing that Sonata could win. Like they're really into it at this point. And Okada gets out there when he hits like a drop kick. Um, you know, we get the 35 minute call, and then Okada goes to the tombstone again. Sonata keeps trying to turn it into skull end, and then probably the coolest spot of the match because Okada can't get the tombstone, he just like flips him over into like a modified Michinoku driver. Oh, that yeah, really, really, it looked really cool and it looked really natural for where Sonata's position was. So, like, you know, sometimes these reversal sequences can look pretty hokey, but this one looked like looked perfect. It was really and after good. that, after that, he hits the rainmaker for the pin. Um, they, they said, I thought they said 3728, but here the, the website says 3621. But, uh, either way, I thought this, you know, I mentioned like the problems with the crowd, and you know, it was a little bo- boring in like the first 10 to 15 minutes. I would actually say from like five to 15 because the first five minutes are actually really fun. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it enough to go four and a quarter. I thought it was, you know, at by the end, an excellent match and, you know, the best match on the show. But like, you know, def- not up to the level of the the two Okada Sonata matches that I thought were the best of the year. But still, you know, a really good match by the end. And I think the crowd getting behind Sonata to the degree they did at the end, even in a match where, like, realistically, you have to know Okada's winning, I think it's a really good sign for Sonata. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, this year has been, like, such a major change for, like, Sonata and, like, his whole, like, not just, like, his his character, but also his look and, like, even, you know, even, like, his wrestling feels a little different. Like, he feels a little bit more energetic, I guess, ever since he kind of veered into less into, like, the, like, oh, I never speak and I never make any facial expressions type of thing. And I think it's really good that the fans are reacting to that, that, you know, there's, you know, like, that it's actually being successful, like, they're building up someone, and it feels natural, like, I'm, (laughs) I don't know, I'm not making much sense, I guess. No, 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 I totally agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think he, they have, he, there is definitely a change there, since, like, he's showing more charisma. Yeah, and I like it, like, it's kind of, I always felt like Sonata was like, I'm like, oh, he's good, but I don't really care. And now I'm like, I'm starting to feel like I think I, I think I care about Sonata. Like, you know, beyond just like, oh, he's cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that goes for a lot of the crowd too. I think there's like more and more of a connection. Yeah. And again, it, even though people, there are definitely Western fans, especially on Twitter who would have you believe that Sonata is like the worst wrestler on the planet and nobody cares about him and whatever. And it's like, I've seen him be way over in Japan and he was really over in America too. (laughs) The shows are at, like the crowd loves him. So, I mean, whatever, you can say anything you want about Sonata. He has no charisma. Like he has a connection with these, with fans in two, on two continents now. So like, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you at that point. Clearly something he's doing is working. Even if you, personally like mr person on twitter isn't into it um the semi-final and i guess the reason why i had you on for this episode since uh you are like one of the number one kota bushi fans i know and sabushi and significant match uh kota bushi and evil what do you think of this first of all I, i i'm i'd love to ask you about the the build to this because i feel like there's some thoughts that maybe ibushi maybe hasn't been the most exciting and like um or like the most 
I'm just trying to think of the way to put this. Like, Evil beating Abushi twice in a row and those tag matches leading up to this almost feels like it's cooled him off a little bit as G1 winner. Um, so I guess I'd like to know your thoughts on that. And maybe, you know, does it bother you at all that, like, we got, you know, Abushi finally wins the G1. It's going to be his big moment at the Dome. But everything feels a little more complicated because of the double title thing. Um it feels a little weird that we're doing Okada Ibushi again when we just did that during the G1, which they've never, you know, they, they don't do that really. I, I think the last time they did that, they had a G1 match and then the same match on 1-4 for the title, I think it was like 2011 or something. So it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. So that feels kind of weird as an as a IWGP title match. So does that bother you at all that like this in Ibushi's big year, getting his big G1 moment and all that, it's during this more complicated like two dome thing and, it feels like maybe it's kind of Naito's thing too. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Like it's been like it's just in general. I feel like been a really weird year for Ibushi, where it's like he's been like materially really successful, but I also feel like I don't know. I feel like there's a lack of excitement in a way, kind of surrounding him. Like, people are more excited about the idea that, like, Naito will have two belts. And, like, no one really cares as much with, like, Ibushi. Like, people are like, Ibushi's just a way to, like, get to, like, something with Naito. I guess. You know? I feel like... I don't know. It's been, like, weird weird because it's like, oh, when he went won, like... The IC title is like, oh, he's going to have an IC title run. It's going to be really good. And then it's going to be, like, Naito's year for the G1. And, of course, like, none of that happened. Like, you know, it's, like, the complete opposite right now. And it's not really, honestly, I feel like this G1 win isn't really, like, serving Ibushi well. Because, yeah, it just feels like he's in the background, like, I feel like there's, like, no result for him at Wrestle Kingdom that's going to be, like, fully satisfactory. Like, even if he wins two titles, it's, like, he's still going to be, like, in the shadow of, oh, Naito didn't do it. Like, it's not going to be, like, oh, Ibushi did it. People are going to be, like, oh, that's nice for him. And not, like, oh, my God, this is, like, they're not, you're not going to have, like, family crying and happiness or whatever. Like, like, when, like, Okada beat Naito at Wrestle Kingdom and people were, like, politely clapping for Okada, like, that's what, like, my fear is, is what's going to happen if Ibushi does win double titles. And, like, I don't want that at all. Like, I can't, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. Like, you know, like, I'd be like, oh, it's cool that he won. But I guess for me, it's, like, Titles aren't as important as, like, seeing, like, other fans, like, be as excited about him as I am. And so seeing, like, that people are just, like, oh, it's nice, but he's not Naito is really frustrating. Now, let's say, let's say the scenario happens where, like, this all is what people think it might be and... It's all a way to get to Naito double titles at the Dome. Would that, first of all, I guess, would that bother you as an Ibushi fan? And second of all, would it still bother you as an Ibushi fan if Ibushi wins the heavyweight from Naito like three months later 
which is kind of why I suspect it's going to happen. Um, it would still bother me no matter what because it would be like it feels like Ibushi won the G1 for like not really much it's either he's gonna like beat Okada and then lose to Naito the next day which is like honestly to me the worst scenario or he'll just lose to Okada on the way to like Naito's win which then it's like he's an afterthought completely so I just feel like there's no winning scenario for Ibushi here. I feel like he's kind of just in general, like, I don't know. It's like, it feels like this kind of monkey's paw situation for me where it's like, oh, I want Ibushi to be really successful. And of course it's being given to me in the most complicated and like <laughs> frustrating manner possible. Yeah. You know? Well, believe me, I know about, the st similar struggles with Naito. Oh, yeah. I was like, uh, I really wanted Naito to win the G1, too. Like, I was... Like, it was so weird when, like, Ibushi won it, and I just, like... I was more frustrated than, like... And confused than, like, just straight-up excited. Like, I was, like... I felt like... I felt like I couldn't fully be happy about it, which made me just mm. angrier. Um... But I, I feel like the crowd almost shares that confusion, kind of, because it feels like it feels like Abushi's pops aren't like as loud as they should be, probably. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even even in America and Japan, but um, but yeah, I mean, the crowd was into it when he came out and to challenge Okada at the very end. Yeah. But but I think the crowd also just kind of feels like, well, we're not sure where this is going, <laughs> but okay. Okada finally like mentioned, so we should mention too that the post match for the main event. Okada, I guess, finally mentioned the double title thing for the first time, although he didn't mention it as his own goal. He just kind of said, like, Abushi, who do you think you are for saying you're going to win both titles? You can't even beat me for the, the heavyweight title. So Okada still hasn't said that he actually wants to do this, which I find interesting. I think but it's good that I think it's good because it's kind of like this whole double title thing is so it's just like everyone saying they want it. So I kind of like that Okada is setting himself apart and he's like, I only care about the title I'm holding. I only care about the heavyweight title, you know. But then, so, but then what happens what happens if he beats Koda on one four and has to fight Naito for both belts on one five? Like is he gonna refuse? This is a little weird. I know, it's really weird. It's just like Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I, I this whole like two Wrestle Kingdom thing. Luckily, when they announced it, I was like already like okay. I think this is gonna like be messy, and then it's somehow even messier than I thought it would be. Like I was kind of hoping. Yeah, nobody, that, I don't think anyone. Oh, go ahead. No, I was like kind of hoping. My my hope was that like. Night two would be like the big heavyweight match, and night one they do, I don't know, something like maybe the IC, but like an entirely unrelated match, or maybe like do a big like leg or retirement match or something as the main. But instead, it's like double heavyweight title matches. Like, it's it's just, it's like. 
they made this it's like so convoluted right now everything that's going on and like one of the reasons i really liked new japan when like when i first started watching it was that it wasn't too convoluted like there were titles and you just fought for them and then like you know the wrestlers themselves would like build their stories and like they'd have their characters and stuff like that but like the plot itself wasn't getting in the way of that whereas it feels like the plot is kind of getting in the way of like who everyone is excepting for like yeah. naito who started the plot yeah but even then it's like it's weird for naito to say like i want both titles like i'm like i still don't get why even for that <laughs> i guess his thing was he wants to be the first one to do it he basically said but like it is weird it's like why don't you just focus on trying to get the heavyweight back finally yeah because it's like it's a little it's like i guess never quite explained why naito suddenly feels different about the ic title like i still don't get yeah. why suddenly he's like wants it he's like oh i want it just so i can be double champ but then it's like but that still means you want it and instead of like before where it's like i hate it i want to destroy it you know now it's yeah. like oh well i would just need it for this other thing instead of like being actively against it yeah like i like that naito was like when he was like destroying the ic bell i was like yeah yeah like kill it kill it <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't know. He didn't I feel, succeed, though. Yeah, I feel like everyone's character direction this year has just been, like, I don't know. Like, I don't get what Naito's doing. I don't get what Ibushi's doing. Ibushi feels, like, very different this year in a way that's kind of, like, I don't know, makes me a little uncomfortable. It is a little weird that he suddenly wanted to take Naito's dream from him. It's like, it feels a little, I don't know, aggressive for Kota Ibushi. Yeah, or like when he was like courting Sanada, like trying to be like, oh, Sanada, be my tag team partner, or whatever it was. Like, it reminded me of like Tanahashi last year when he was trying to get like pretty much everyone, including Ibushi, <laughs> to like be on his side, where he'd like be like, Yushi, you could be so much if you like followed me and stopped hanging around with Kenny. And it's like, or like he did the same with like Paige and like uh, Yoshihashi. And it's like, it like it feels like Yushi's like trying to be the successor that Tanahashi wants him to be by being Tanahashi in a way. I don't know. Yeah, it just it's just really weird. Um. I, I guess I like the double title thing a little more than you do, but I would like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you like express this because there are lots of other people who don't seem to like the double title thing at all. Um, I think it's cool, but I, I kind of wish that we were coming out of this show with more of a clear vision of like what exactly is going to happen. Maybe they will announce that tomorrow. There's, so I should mention, there's been like vague rumblings. I feel like I can talk about this publicly now since uh, someone said it in the, in the, Super Jcast Discord, Damon mentioned it, and also uh, Sean Ross Sapp kind of reported it on Twitter. But basically, there's been vague rumblings that the um, post-King of Pro Wrestling press conference will be, like, really big. And no one seems to know what that means. That means, like, you know, the, the exact quote that Damon posted in the, in the Discord was, like, um, it will be, if we announce what it's going to be beforehand, it would be the biggest stream we ever did. 
So that to me says more, it's going to be more than just announcing what's going to happen to Dome. But they must have some kind of, I don't know if that means like a Roma return. I don't know if that means like some kind of signing. I've even seen like people speculating about like something with AEW. But um, but yeah, I don't. So I don't know what that means exactly. But I would maybe at the press conference they will announce like the the contours of this a little more, and it won't matter. But I really thought at the end of King of Four Wrestling, we would at least have it set in stone that okay, there's going to be a heavyweight match on one four and an IC match, and the two winners will fight on one five. We haven't even set that in stone yet. I mean, all we have right now is you know the Okada and Bushi for the heavyweight title that's set in stone, like that's happening, but um. We don't have anything for the IC at 1-4 yet, which I guess we won't, we're not going to know that till after Power Struggle. But, like, we don't even really know for sure that the 1-5 match is happening because Okada basically said he doesn't give a shit. So, <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that, but he implied he didn't give a shit. So it's a very weird... I, I, I thought at this point we'd have more of an idea of what's definitely happening, and that's not really the case yet. So I guess we'll see... If anything happens at the press conference, if anything else gets announced afterwards, uh, the Yahoo Sports did break a few days before this that like Taichi and Naito are going to fight a power struggle. Um, they seem That's to imply it'll be like some kind of IC, yeah. yeah, and they seem to imply it'll be some kind of IC number one contendership match. So, you know, maybe it'll be a thing where like the winner of that for sure faces the winner of White and Goto. Um, but I would have liked to see them like a little more movement towards. Like setting in stone what's going to happen to Dome. It feels weird. It feels like we still have a weird amount of uncertainty after King of Pro Wrestling that you generally don't have for the Wrestle Kingdom because usually, you know, the tradition is after Wrestle Kingdom, you know, the main event on one four, and I guess we technically do, but there's a whole other Dome this year, yeah. so it's just weird all around. Yeah. Wait. So I just realized it's totally possible for Tai Chi two belts, and now that is what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> tai Chi two belts could happen. It's true. If that doesn't um, happen, okay, so I'm, let's... I'm gonna be so pissed. I'm gonna set fire to Ghetto's house if that doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't know if you're doing that on purpose, but there was one say worth the wrestling podcaster who got in a lot of trouble for saying he was gonna set uh, Shima's house on fire. Okay. So... I apologize. Uh, uh, I'll take that back. I, I don't even know where Ghetto's house is. <laughs> I can't fly to Japan, so it's a threat that I completely can't even act on. So I take that back. I'll just I'll just grumble about it on Twitter. You know, okay. I don't. I, I, th- I think I, I can't get. I think I don't think I can get you in trouble if if I do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so there will be no one setting anyone's house on fire. Just no, 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 definitely not. It's, I don't want to go to jail. I'm kidding, anyway, because it's like the people, the people who like got really outraged at at uh, Milo for that were like people deliberately reading, you know, listening in bad faith, basically, or already hated him and wanted a reason to get upset. So, oh yeah, I know yeah. those kind of people. Those kind yeah, of, I don't think I have anyone like that, <laughs> and I hope you don't have anyone like yeah. that. So. I probably I probably do, but who knows? <laughs> the semi-main. We haven't actually talked about the match yet. So Kota Bush and Evil. What do you think about this match? I just I guess this is a problem that I've been having, but I found it really frustrating. Um, I guess this was something that was brought to my attention about the Ibushi and Kenta match um, by a friend of mine, um, and she pointed out that. 
even if she didn't get a lot of offense in that match and that it was like kind of focused around him just like taking a lot of damage and then like hitting all his like things and, and winning and I thought this match kind of was the same thing but obviously a lot better because there's no like stupid interference it was like just a match um so it was like on like that match like it was like you know it was there isn't like the same like Ugh, this again and so it's like enjoyable to watch but it also like like when she my friend pointed that out to me i then like i kept thinking about that during this match and it's like yeah like even she doesn't really build up a lot of like offense he kind of like hits a lot of like things to get evil further from him but evil's really the one who's in control and then you know he Ibushi manages to pull it out which is a really bad way to like build up this guy that he can defeat Okada because it feels like if he's like struggling against like Kenta and evil like I don't know. Like, how is he gonna? He's how is he gonna look against Okada? And it's also just doesn't play to Ibushi's strengths at all, which are like, you know, he has amazing, spectacular, like really innovative offense that like really pops people, um, and he's not really getting to show that off. I mean, it might be partially the ankle thing, but even with that, like, he still has like you know, all his amazing striking and, you know, it's, it's just like, it was, it was really, you know, kind of frustrating to watch, but I mean, I think evil was really great in it at least. Like, I think, you know, watching evil, like get better and better and better. And like, I just like, I love him and I'm so excited that he's, you know, like getting to show really what he's about. As a, as a singles wrestler, like, as the years go on and how he keeps improving. So, you know, I guess that's how I feel about the match. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, the, the, the thing you said, too, about the Ibushi's offense being his best part, that's why I think the Naito, like, trilogy was, like, probably the best thing he's done this year because those matches were, so, like, much more back and forth. Yeah. And they both got to just do all the crazy shit. And that's, you can always tell that's like Coda's favorite kind of match where it's just like go out there and do like a ton of crazy shit for like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. So, yeah, like that's why those were like probably his best match. Like, you really like, it's really obvious to tell like when he's really, really into something because when he's like, like it's, it was obvious with this match, he wasn't as into it as like, because he didn't have that like kind of. He has this, like, I guess, really, how do I put it, like, mischievous kind of look on his face a lot of times, like, during those Naito matches, where, like, he's like, oh, I'm going to do something completely dangerous, and I'm so excited about it. But, you know, you can kind of see, like, at the same time, like, when he's just, you know, like, he's like, oh, whatever. You know, it's really obvious on his face, because he's very expressive, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe I like this a little more than you. I th- even though it did get a little slow and boring in the middle uh, during like Evil's heat section, I thought you know the early early portion was good. Um, there was like a spot where like Ibushi countered a Bronco Buster into a double stomp in the corner. That was like yeah. such a cool counter. Uh, yeah. Um, and then after 
after the heat section, it got really good again. Where like evil just like no selling Ibushi's lariat was really badass, and that was like a part of a really great sequence. Um, and then there was like another really cool lariat where like Ibushi went for the Bamaye, but like evil just like destroy him yeah. with the lariat. That was... And then, uh, but yeah, then Ibushi like I really like when he does like that cross arm German, and then tries to go from the Kamigoe into that. But like this time, Evil countered that in like these two and a half Nelson Germans, and then Abushi finally countered the lariat attempt in his own lariat. Um, and then I thought the reversal sequence at the end went basically like just the right amount of time. It didn't drag like some of these reversal sequences do. But then Evil kicked out the Kamigoe, and you know the crowd was going nuts at that point. But then a second Kamigoe got the win, so I liked it enough to go four stars flat. Um, it was definitely a, you know, I would say it was a really good match. It, it was just maybe missing a little something in the middle to be like to get above four and you know obviously i think this and the main like the the outcome being kind of a foregone conclusion was a little bit of a issue but that's always an issue at this show basically so can't really do anything about that but i think they did a better job like the crowd reacted more to this and to the main than they did to like you know remember two years ago when it was okada and evil for the title and the crowd just didn't react at all for that match yeah so there was definitely more of a crowd reaction here so like, that probably says something about the the work in there so yeah four stars good really good match and you know i i definitely think, think their g1 match was better though i have to say that yeah i would say that too i like that one better uh the u.s mm-hmm. title match third from the top juice robinson lance archer uh, first of all, what the fuck was Juice Robinson wearing? Oh, I loved it. I loved this <laughs> okay. I love everything like, he wears. <laughs> it, was, it looked like a, some kind of like fuzzy Russian hat or something. It was like so weird. It was, I, I thought it was really funny. It was like the part, it was like on the back, like it started out really furry, but then the part over like his butt cheeks, like the bottom of his butt cheeks was like, just the regular fabric so it kind of like looked like a weird heart shape around his butt and that was like that was my favorite thing i was like whoever designs his gear is honestly a genius it's like every every time he comes out with a new with new gear i'm like holy fuck this is like i i just never thought that this would anyone would ever wear anything like this i never even thought like of gear that could look like this and i'm honestly blown away so he just i mean i'm glad someone is you know you know it's all like new japan like a lot of people kind of just wear like you know not just new japan i'd say in wrestling in general a lot of people play it safe with gear but he's always wearing something weird and I really respect that. That's that's very fair. <laughs> but then, uh, so Lance Archer says the people paid to see a new D- no DQ match, so it's still going to be one. And the Bush and uh, not Bushy, Juice is going to die in his murder mansion. So uh, okay, let me a little bit about this match. I guess I'll just say it flat out. I thought this was really disappointing. Um, you know, I've I've liked both guys a lot this year. I thought they both had really good G ones and stuff, but like this match, just like it was weird and slow. And Lance Archer took ten years to set up like a million weapons, and I don't know. I mean, like maybe a walk and brawl and like 
let me set up a million fucking chairs and tables and shit and put you through all of them very slowly. Like that, that like I expect to see on like a US indie or something. I don't really expect to see that on a new Japan show. And you know, the crowd didn't really seem to know what to make of it either, most of the way. So I don't think the crowd it didn't really work for the live crowd either. Um I just he just took so long to like take off all four turnbuckle pads and then set up a chair here, another chair here, a table here, a table there. It's like I felt like I was fucking watching Hell in a Cell again, oh like the fucking fiend or something. And it wasn't that bad, but I'm like, it just like why? What is it with all these weapons? So, um, but yeah, there was like very little heat for it. Uh, you know, the, the about the only thing I really liked. First of all, <laughs> there was like a at one point he pounces juice through the table. Which honestly, like that sounds a lot cooler, pouncing a guy through a table than I think it looked. It didn't look that cool. But then Juice gets right up. Like he yeah. takes the pounce through the table, and then two seconds later, uh, like they're they're both going hunting for more weapons under the ring. I'm like, okay, so you just got pounced through the table, which you know, which you should be selling like you just got killed, and then it's like, ah, here I go, more weapons now. I'm like, all right, that was really stupid. Um but yeah, so the, the about the only thing I liked about this match was the finish, where you know he just he does the blackout on the chairs for two, which looked cool, uh, and when he kicks out, he just goes nuts, like ramming his head in the chairs over and over again, and he puts the claw on and gets the pin. So the ending was cool enough that I tacked on like an extra quarter star, but I still thought it was like pretty disappointing and disjointed. So I only went uh, three stars flat on it, just not very good, you know. I mean, a good three stars is still like a good match and stuff, but like not like you know, for a, like a big throw from the top on King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I think I felt pretty much, like, the same. Like, I mean, like, I enjoyed it for, like, I guess what it was, but it was also, like, you know, yeah, it wasn't really something that was really my kind of match. Like, whenever I see weapons get pulled out in New Japan matches, I just, like, I just start groaning and I get flashbacks to Bullet Club and how much I hated that. So it's even with someone I really liked, like Archer, it's kind of like, I mean, like you're you're a humongous dude. You can just maul him. You don't like really have to, you know, make all these contraptions. Like you can just pull out a chair and just start hitting him. Like you don't really need to 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 do this. Like it's always yeah. I don't know. Like, it's sometimes, like, with those kind of things, it feels like they're trying to build the most ridiculous thing they could build instead of, like, building something that will help them win the match. And it's, like, that's fine. And, like, you know, something like PWG, like, where it is a little, like, goofy, but, like, doesn't really fit into New Japan, I guess. I, I totally agree. Um, and then after the match, of course, we got the... The big return everybody's been waiting for from the guy who's been on the shelf with an injury, David Finley returns <laughs> and uh, take help to save Juice and take Archer out with a stunner and then a rope assisted stunner. I joke because of the Hiromu thing, but yeah. David Finley's return was pretty cool. The crowd, the crowd actually popped for it, and Finley looks like he's in great shape. And I'm excited to have Mr. Finley back. I'm excited. I'm a fan of his, and I'm hoping that he and Juice, you know, this means of course that they're going to do. Tagly, because I really enjoy them as a tag team, and oh, I'm excited. I like him. You know, it's not as exciting as Hiromu, but like, literally nothing could be that exciting. So you know, I <laughs> it's true. 
And I assume <laughs> I assume this means they're going to do Archer versus Juice maybe in San Jose or LA. So that'd be cool. Wait, Archer versus Juice? Oh, sorry, Archer versus Finley. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Archer are they Finley. doing it again? Yeah. yeah, Archer versus Finley should be good. So. Yeah. Uh, match number six, it was Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi against Jay White, Kenta, and Yujiro. Uh, don't really have a ton to say about this. It was just kind of a six-man. You know, it was fun. I, I went like three and a quarter on it. I enjoyed it, but like, you know, it was just kind of a big brawl on the floor. I, the, the funniest part was the start where like first Jay White begs off from fighting Goto and tags in Kenta, and then Kenta begs off from fighting Ishii and tags in uh, Yujiro. So we basically got the New Japan uh, True Born Fail Sun Battle of Yoshi <laughs> and Yujiro, the two Fail Sons of New Japan. I, I, lo- I actually kind of like them both as like a, as what they are, but like yeah, it's definitely like the two most recent disappointments from the dojo, I think. And it's like yeah. ah, let's fight to see who is uh, who's the biggest loser. But then there was like a big brawl on the floor, and then uh, you know there was like some. They, I like the Ishii Kenta and Goto White exchanges. Which bodes well for the future singles matches, and then uh, Goto put Yujiro away at the GTR, and then Kenta and Ishii kept brawling afterwards, and JY continued to be a little, you know, a little baby and keep saying no over and over again to Goto, but something tells me that match is going to happen anyway. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I just, I can't, I can't get into the whole Jay White thing. I feel like, I feel like everyone else. Mm you know who gets it like i really want to i guess know what what they're seeing because like i feel like oh yeah his like character is really good and his promo is really good and then the match happens and i'm like i'm ready to go to sleep you know but i mean with this one because you know he's it was, it's not like you know it's a tag match and he's not in there the entire time like i can actually like you know enjoy his character a little bit more than I would in like a, a straight up like very long singles match. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, thing that happened was fun to watch, you know, when it happened and, you know, isn't really going to stick in my memory for very long. So, you know, which is what it's supposed to be. So I guess that's fine. Uh, match five, the junior heavyweight title, ELP and Osprey. Um, I'm interested to hear what you have to think about what you have to say about this one because my takes are going to get me in enough trouble anyway. So you might as well, uh, you might as well start. What do you think uh, of Osprey and Phantasmo? I don't think my takes are going to be much better than yours. Like I <laughs> normally would not watch a match with either of them in it, and I literally only did because I was I was like I'm going to be on the show, so I should be able to talk about the entire show. And it was basically what I expected, which is like, you know, nothing that was good. There's, there's just, I, I didn't like it at all. And it was, I did. Yeah. It's just bad. I, uh, here's what I'm going to say about it. I'm going to be, I guess I'm even going to be a little nicer than you then, which I didn't expect, but I gave it like three and a quarter, which means, you know, there was some work I enjoyed. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was bad. But I've seen people be like, you know, four and a half stars on it, which is not remotely what I'm gonna <laughs> give this match. My my first problem, okay, I'm gonna. This is what I think, honestly, the biggest issue with the match was. So before this match, they do this big thing where El Fantasma was like, 
Uh, I'm reformed now. I've changed my ways because of a typhoon, which, by the way, I don't know if I would use a fucking typhoon to kill, like we said, 37 people, whatever. I don't know if I'd use that as part of my wrestling storyline. It seems kind of stu- kind of like stupid at best and poor taste at worst. But so, that's kind of El Phantasmo in general, is <laughs> poor is kinda, taste. <laughs> that's true. But he's like, oh, I cleaned up the dojo, and I realized that my, my fighting style is nothing like theirs. It's like he's doing this big thing where it's like, oh, you know, he's going to try to fight clean. Which I'm like, okay, obviously he's a heel, and he doesn't really mean it. But you'd think that's going to be a major thing that's going to build into the match. But they fucking blew that off. Five minutes into the match. I know. It's like, like they blew it up with like an eye poke. I'm like, yes. but I didn't even notice at first. I'm like, oh, he did an eye poke? I didn't they like until like like Kevin Kelly or whoever like said that he did one. I was like, oh, he did one? I didn't I like it to me, he was still just like, you know, pretending to be like, you know, good. Like then he like really went in with it. You know, like it's so stupid. You know who else didn't get, didn't notice the the accidental eye poke or elbow of the eye, whatever the fuck? The fucking fans in the crowd, because they didn't react to any of this at all. Like, they had no idea what was going on. And somebody, I think I think it was Emily Pratt and Twitter pointed this out. Because ELP put the entire thing in his notes app, um, like, if you're a Japanese fan, you could not even put that through Google Translate <laughs> easily. Yeah. So, like, they, there's probably most of the people in the crowd had no idea what the, the ELP even was like supposed to be like a non-cheater or why they just so, so the entire early part of the match it felt like it meant nothing to the live crowd and they didn't react I mean this this match struggled to re, to get a, a reaction at all in a way that you know I mean and I'm never gonna you know I don't Will Ospreay I like Will Ospreay I don't think he's like bad or anything I don't think he's like the greatest wrestler of all time either the way some people do um I'm a straight I'm never gonna be the one Okay, so that's that's fine. Um, He's not my favorite either, so first of all. But like, Will Ospreay, I'm never going to come on here and argue he's not over. He clearly is over with with a lot of Japanese fans. I mean, I saw that firsthand when he beat Shingo uh, to win Best of Super Junior. Like, a lot of fans in the crowd love Will Ospreay. Fine. This match was not over. (laughs) Like, this match, the crowd was not the end of the match for long stretches. And I think a part of that is, again, having doing too much in english which for a japanese audience like the, the elite used to have this issue a lot where like oh yeah like oh, all yeah, these angles all these angles on their show are in fucking english so it's like you the japanese can't fan the japanese fans can't follow this easily so of course they're not going to react you know to these fucking matches and this book club civil war storyline when they don't know what the fuck is going on and here it's like you know this is obviously a much less um extreme version but like they had no idea what the fuck was going on here because they don't you know if you don't read english that elp notes thing is just a big wall of text you don't understand so it's a very very and plus it's an angle on twitter too which is always kind of yeah i mean (laughs) i think i um, think what he should do what all these guys should do is they should be more like mike bailey and like put everything in google translate and then have that voice read it back in garbled japanese (laughs) Yes. Remember the look on his face too when the voice is. Oh, I love that segment. Oh God, I love that. Um, but yeah, so then Os- I will say Osprey tossing ELP right into Gino was really funny. Like just out yeah. of nowhere, just talked to Ben. That was like probably the best part of the match. Um, and, and then Gino's Gino acted like, like a human there. shield. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. He's like I being feel, Mr. Human Shield to give yeah. give him time to recover. Yeah, I feel like other people did things in this match that were interesting, but <laughs> not the two actual competitors. Like I thought the bit with like Ishimori and Eagles I liked. Like that was the only thing I really yeah. like liked. I was like, oh, I want to watch a match between those two. I don't want to watch these other guys, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, I will say it was kind of nuts. It... I was just gonna say it's kinda, it was kind of nuts when they're up on the balcony. At least that was like something. I guess. I guess. <laughs> you don't even seem that impressed with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like. You know, at that point, it's like because it, it felt like they were trying really, really hard to get people to care by doing dangerous things. But like, you know, like you shouldn't if you have to rely on like spots like that to get people to care, then the match is already like lost on the crowd. Like you should do that as a way to highlight a match that people already like or that at least has some importance. Whereas this is just kind of like a filler defense on like King of Pro Wrestling. Like no one cares. Like no one cares about ELP. So, you know, they're all like sitting there like maybe Hiromu will come out afterwards. You know, no one's no one's thinking about ELP. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, that's what I was thinking too. So, yeah. Um, you know, definitely the entire time. Like maybe, maybe Hiromu will come out. But yeah. Um, but yeah, the let me see what else here. Anything else in the match? The the the, the barricades. They, I mean, the part on the balcony was cool. Um, you know, he did dive down, did the dive off the balcony, which was cool. Um, so like some cool spots are why I went like three and a quarter. But like the end again felt like massive, like overload and just overdoing it. Where like yeah. you know we, we do like the oh I, I had to mention a spot I thought was really stupid looking. The fucking eyes cutter they did. Where basically Osprey's on the guardrail, um, and ELP's on the apron, and Osprey leaps into the air and hits the Oz cutter on ELP, like onto the, onto the floor. That sounds cool in when I describe it, but it looks fucking stupid, especially yeah. in the slow motion because because ELP has to like jump into his arms, I like know. he has to he has to make a conscious decision to jump off the apron to get hit with this move. Like, why do you just not jump? It just looks fucking stupid. It does look too stupid. It's like, I always, I always feel like with Osprey matches, it's really good when someone like doesn't sell Osprey's like bullshit, but it doesn't, that doesn't happen enough. Like people are always just like, yeah, I'll do it. Meanwhile, Osprey like doesn't sell other people's bullshit. So, like, why people keep being like, yeah, we'll do this ridiculous move with you. Meanwhile, you'll just pop out of, like, the paradise lock like it's nothing, you know? It's like, he's ridiculous. He's just, like, he he just has no, like, I don't know. Like, I saw this tweet that just talks about how, like, um, like, kind of, like, how it's hard to, like, buy into a character when they're just doing all of this like video game shit because like you can't like sympathize with a character who's just you know who 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 you can't like buy into their pain like there's no connection between like the moves they're doing and like their like actual body like their actual like 
like it's yeah they just feel like a video game character it's like you can't really care about someone who does that it's like you know yeah. and it's like what is, what is his character like he feels like the worst of the the kenny like best bout machine era where it's like it doesn't even feel like he has a character per se it's just more like i'm this like vessel for having the best possible matches all the time that's all i care about and it's like like what? What does Will Ospreay care about? Like, I wish at some point Will Ospreay would tell us like why he started carrying around a samurai sword. Because like, <laughs> if if you really want to lead into like like if this character is going to be him leading into like being a weeb or something, the way Kenny's was sometimes, that would at least be something. I don't think I don't think Osprey has the capacity to be as like self-deprecating as like Kenny does. Like Kenny is obnoxious, but he's like willing to make a fool of himself for entertainment purposes. Whereas like Osprey clearly just like he's just like he thinks he's very cool and he thinks that he he just buys into his own hype in a way that's like not even like interesting like over the top like self-absorbed like diva type he's just like deeply uncool yeah he's just like he's like he's like only a he's like a slightly less irritating seth rollins <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it i guess <laughs> um but yeah so then we got like a bunch of like belt stuff um ELP hits like a big splash after like a million run-ins and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, like at that point, like Phantasmo, I guess, like he he go he hits like a Styles Clash, which only gets two, and this is like where it really starts to feel overdone to me. And then like, you know, he hits like a V trigger. And then one, and goes to the one winged angel because I guess the idea is he is like trying to not like trying to use all the bullet club leader stuff. But again, it just feels like really overdone. Like really like I yeah. don't know. Like at this point, it feels like the match should be over already. Also, he didn't do a bloody Sunday. Didn't he? Didn't do he didn't a bloody do, Sunday, right? Yeah, it's like he, he's he weirdly like we this is like Prince Devitt erasure or something. Yeah, and it's like Prince Devitt <laughs> is like the only one who was like leader while a junior. So wouldn't it make more sense if he's a junior? But I don't know. It's like yeah. it's like that callback doesn't mean anything. Like, what's the point of it? Like, you know, like callbacks are cool when they seem to have like like a purpose, but this is just like doing it for like I guess some sort of like nostalgia at an attempt at like some sort of like nostalgia pop or something that just didn't work because you know people were yeah checked out well, by that. Well, like Kenny doing the Styles Clash always made sense to me because it's like he he literally took AJ Styles out of the Bullet Club and out of New Japan. So yeah. when Kenny would do the Styles Clash, it's almost like, well, I'm using this move for this guy that I vanquished. ELP has no connection to Kenny or to AJ. Yeah, so, like like there's like there's no storyline reason to use them, those moves. Um, but yeah, Osprey at this point he hits like a flipping DDT thing, which just gives another two count. And I was really like begging for this to end, and you know he, he turns the top rope Brandon into a power bomb, and he hits the Hampton Blade, and finally hits the Stormbreaker for the pin. And it definitely had that like thank God this is over kind of feeling to me. Which even though this was shorter than the main event, I, I think it went. Let me see what the time was. Uh, I, I still think it went way too long for the spot in the car, but yeah, it went twenty seven fifty eight, so it didn't even go thirty, but it felt like it was an hour. So yeah, you know, definitely dragged. Uh, I I was at three and a quarter is what I gave it for some cool spots, but definitely 
uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to be on the same page as the people going four plus. So, yeah, I like, honestly, I do not get the Will Ospreay hype at all. I don't understand. Like, like I said that with like Jay White, but at least with Jay White, it's like, okay, he is like a really good character. He's really good at promos. Like I can kind of see like, I guess, a little bit of it but with like osprey he doesn't have anything like that interests me at all like he's just the his moves are just convoluted his selling is like obnoxiously irritating his promos are bad his character is stupid i'm like i hate this guy i hate it I just, <laughs> well not like as a person but like as a wrestler like i don't want to watch him i just you know i don't want to watch him well, so I'm not, I'm not going to be accused of being the most negative Osprey person on this episode. I guess that's good, but yeah. people, people like really have it as a as a meme that I hate Will Osprey. I don't hate Will Osprey, but I, I hate Will feels... Osprey. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I I am uh, ambivalent on Will Osprey. I guess to the point where I, there's definitely matches I, I really enjoy of his, and there's other matches where lots of other people really like it. Really like it and. I don't really get it. Like the, the this one was a good a good one, obviously, and the like the Tanahashi one from the end of the G one, where it's like Osprey just like just, just could not sell the leg at all, and I'm like that's the entire point of the match. So why are people praising this match? I don't understand. But anyway, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, match number four: Minoru Suzuki against Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, Suzuki wins in 17:38 with the Got Style Pile Driver. Um, so this is this is a weird one because I think I'm gonna like I think the criticism I've seen the most uh, levied at this match is it you know they built up the death feud and they did they started on the mat I don't know if that's entirely fair because a lot of the point of this match was like you know Suzuki like what started this whole feud in the first place was they they had a fight in, in Pancrase obviously and they were yeah. supposed to have another fight. When Liger said, give me a couple years, and it never happened. So I almost thought them starting on the mat was, like, their weird way of saying, like, yeah, we want to kill each other as we build up throughout this feud. But, like, this is why we want to kill each other in the first place, because we were supposed to have this fight, and it never happened. It's, like, two people who wanting to, like, I don't know, it still felt intense to me. It felt like they were trying to see who could one-up the other one on the mat. It didn't feel like, you know, they they said they were going to kill each other, and they did a headlock or something. Like, they still... You know, it was this, this like weird, like, one-up. Teasing each other, kind of. Like, they're like, yeah, you think you can beat me? So, you know, like, it still felt like, yeah, there's still, like, a lot of emotion to it, like, early on. And I like that it kind of started out like that, because um, I thought it was more interesting to do that than, like, and more in character, I guess, for someone like Suzuki, who really is all about, like, you know killing people with submissions so it makes sense that he'd want to like choke the life out of Liger and that Liger would you know kind of want to do the same back and that they'd you know tussle eventually until like they kind of get to the point where they're like you know I'm I I just want to kill you you know I thought I liked it it's not like they didn't do the brawl stuff yeah what I liked it too I was gonna say it's not like they didn't do the brawl stuff eventually but like yeah. you said, they built they built up to it in the course of the match. Like I don't think they had to start immediately like swinging chairs. I think it was okay to because Liger in the build up, even though they said they're going to kill each other, like one of Liger's critiques was like, 
you know, why do you just want a street fight? Why, you know, you, you can see that in Shinjuku. Like, this is supposed to be, um, you know, pro wrestling. And Suzuki, it almost felt like, you know, he want, he had this weird thing where he wanted to see Yamada, right? He didn't want to see Liger. And when Liger came out with that, the battle Liger mask where you could, you could see more of his face, I think it almost was like, well, you know, this is, this is pretty much what I wanted. So Suzuki got what he wanted, and he gave Liger what Liger wanted, and they had an actual wrestling match for a while. So I thought that was fine. Um, but then Suzuki beat the shit out of him with a chair, so they did eventually get to that, and he started tearing at the mask, you know, a lot. Um, Liger got his brain buster for, like, a really close near fall. The crowd actually bought that as a as a pin, which would have been something if Liger pinned Suzuki. Uh, there yeah. was this awesome, awesome strike exchange where Suzuki just kept telling Liger to bring it more and more and more. Oh, I, um, I was getting so excited. I like watching. It. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I wanted like, you know, like I wanted to see like Liger really like just stun the fuck out of Suzuki. Like, my <laughs> seat. And then, uh, you know, Suzuki. And I like the end that Suzuki just hit the god stop out driver and pinned him because it's like, look, Liger's retiring. He's a junior against heavyweight. He's not supposed to win this. I like that they didn't like try to do a bunch of bullshit. It was just, you know. Sometimes, no matter how much you want the old guy to win, the old guy just can't win. So yeah. That's what happens. Um, and then, you know, Suzuki, at the end, we got like that. Uh, the match itself, I should say, I gave four stars. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, they're both they're both up there in age. So, like, there were still parts where it was a little bit slower. But I still thought it was an excellent match. Um, yeah. The post-match, where Suzuki takes a chair and takes out a young lion but then teases hitting Liger with it and instead throws it down and like gets down his knees and bows to him. That was such an awesome moment. I love that. Liger Liger said, thank you. And you could tell people in the crowd were like clearly crying. Yeah. So that was just a really cool moment. Yeah. I was definitely like when that happened, like I was kind of like a little like, I was like, I was like, in a way, like, kind of, like, shocked, and it took me, like, a moment to really, like, fully appreciate the, what happened, because I was just, I wasn't expecting that at all, and it was, like, such a great moment that I was, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, because I was, like, still, you know, because it's, like, it's one of those things that's, like, where, you know, wrestling sometimes can be a bit like you know what's going to happen, and that can kind of be what's fun about it, is that, like, you're, like, really excited you're like waiting for like the build. You're like watching the build up to something that you know is going to be amazing, but then like when wrestling like truly surprises you in like a good way, it's like holy crap! It's like and that was that was just like like I and I love that it was like violent like too because he still like you know beat up the young lions like you know who wasn't who wasn't like going against who he was. It was still very very Suzuki way to go about showing respect to Liger. So. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, and I, I did really love it too. It was, a, it was a great moment. And he, you know, he's like you say, he still beat up the young lion even when he's showing the respect. So it made a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. The first few matches I don't have to talk a ton about because they were just, they were tags. Uh, the big thing was, first of all, the third match, Naito Shingo against Taichi and Doki. Um, I don't know why, but Kevin Kelly... When Doki came out, and he, the way he just called him this lunatic Doki, and then said like "You're out of your mind, sir!" Like I laughed so hard at that. I don't know why, but he's like he's very like outraged at Doki and his lead pipe. 
<laughs> it was like very funny. Um, Taichi, and then the other thing I know too is like Taichi like held the ropes open for Naito again, and they have like, uh, and then he like kept checking Naito's waist for the IC belt, like pointing at it, and like pointing at the lack of it, and like patting him down. They have like really big like married couple who love to fight energy. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like it's like it's like foreplay for them or something. I know, I love it. it. Is, uh, like- I, I, their dynamic is so good. Like, all of their matches are, are just full of like, just keep building and building on that, and like get more and more amazing each time to me. I guess, like, I love, I love. It almost, it almost feels like they have to. I almost feel like they have to team someday. I don't know yeah. why. It, just, it, it really feels like they have to be a tag team someday. Like, Taichi has to join Lij. Yeah. <laughs> Or like um, begrudgingly, they have to like team for some reason. Be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, but they had great chemistry here. I thought in this match, and the, then it didn't go that long. No, it ended nine minutes. Uh, Taichi like nailed Shingo with the mic stand for the blatant DQ. Then he nailed the ref, and then Naito came in, and Naito thought him nailing the ref was like the funniest fucking thing he ever saw. Like he was like laughing about it, which I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um. But then he, he does convince Taichi to put the mic stand down. But then Taichi, like, lays out Naito and Shingo without the mic stand. Like, he he gives Naito a huge backdrop. He gives Shingo a huge super kick. And, you know, and I really like when they, like, let Taichi, you know, just, like, bust loose on his, without needing to cheat or anything. Like, yeah. get against Ishii at the end of the G1, too. Yeah. Um, but then he, he hits Naito with the mic stand. Uh, he gives him the huge last ride. And then he has Doki Kata pin for him. Which I thought was cool. Yeah, uh, and he tells Naito that he tells Naito he's weak, and then he says, you know, he just couldn't get it done, but he will, and he can just shut up and leave it to him. So now Taichi is going to be Taichi two belts, apparently. Yes. Yes. Taichi. So that was the post match, the, the big post match angle. Yeah. Uh, match two, which was Tanahashi and Homa beating Makabe and Yano, when Tanahashi pinned Yano in nine forty three at the high fly flow. Uh, the only big thing here to note, it was a very like average match, was like, you know, there was no angle with Jericho or anything, because you know, that's apparently, you know, according to Sports Illustrated, that's the match for Wrestle Kingdom, Tanahashi and Jericho. And there was not there was like no I, I figured Jericho wasn't gonna be there, but I thought maybe there'd be like a video message, but there was nothing. Yeah. So the big thing was Watar Inouye being there. So I mean that was cool though. That was cool. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. You know, it was a match that happened. I'm not really a a huge fan of either member of GBH, so it's kind of just for me, like, oh, cool, I like Tanahashi, like Yano. They're not really doing much, but it's nice to see them, you know? Yeah. Basically. Uh, and then the first match, the El Desperado comeback, it was changed to a regular tag match. Uh, Desperado and Kanemaru beat for Punky 3K when Desperado pinned show with the Pinche Loco in 10.44. Uh, first of all, Desperado was wearing the shirt he was wearing when his jaw was broken, like covered in his own blood. Like this man is so fucking extra. Yeah, I <laughs> love like, it. Why, is he, why love is he wearing? Why is he wearing his bloody shirt when his, his jaw broken? It's just so funny. It's I I love it. I have friends <laughs> who are like super 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 into Despy, and like I always. See, I'm like, they're reading too much into it sometimes. And then I like I actually see Despy and I'm like, no, they're not. Not really. He really is kind of like, you know, a bit ridiculous, you know, with 
and you know all of this stuff so it was nice to see him back i love him and kaimaru as a team so yeah me too they have like really 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 cool energy yeah like the, the drunk uncle and his weird fake mexican friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh at one point he like faked another jaw injury to lure in probably 3k which i thought was really funny yeah. like why would you ever believe this man when he like pretends to have a hurt jaw it's like when abushi believed him that he was a baby face when he first showed up his his name is like the desperado <laughs> like he has a very evil looking mask i don't think you should uh challenge or you know uh trust him coda but coda but, did trust him yeah That's coda. We're, no no one's no one's you know praising uh coda for really for his like you know mind so <laughs> true. um but yeah he pinned showed he pinned show here with the after the whiskey spit from kanamaru and then did like a big right hand and then hit the pinche loco it's a very solid opener and yeah. that's king of pro wrestling yeah i thought it was a good show um maybe a little disappointing but like not um you know not like terribly disappointing or anything but definitely a million times better than last year yeah i thought it was really good and obviously yeah a lot better than last year i mean like literally the main event could have like just been like okada like fighting like i don't know like in Sonata stuffed bear and it would have been a better show. So <laughs> uh but yeah, so that was King of Pro Wrestling. Now the next thing for New Japan is the the junior super junior tag league, which we don't have to go into that here because we've already run a while here, but I do want to mention it because I have a preview up on voicesofwrestling.com. Uh the super junior tag league preview I wrote just went up. So you can go check that out. The NJPW Super Junior Tag League 2019 Preview and Predictions. I go into all eight teams and their record in the the previous uh, single elimination tournament and the league. Uh, the interesting thing about it is there's only two teams from last year that, that are back. Yeah. Uh, just, for, just for Pungi 3K and, um, you know, Desperado and Kanemaru. Everybody else is a brand new team, including the, the current junior champions of uh, Phantasmo and Ishimori. But I think Rapunky 3K is going to win. I don't know if you feel any differently, but it just feels um, like it's set up. Yeah, now. I feel like it. they're going to win. I mean, maybe there's like a small chance for like the, what's it? What are they called? The, the, the Osprey and Eagles one, yeah. and Or yeah. maybe, maybe like even a little bit more distant, um, Kanemaru and Desperado, but. Yeah, I think it, I I can't see it not being where Punky 3K like definitely feels like the junior tag division is I don't know, I feel like it's being phased out in a way now that like Rapunky 3K are fighting GOD and stuff. It's like I'm wondering if they're just going to like unify the tag divisions or I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah. I think I think the tag divisions are probably safe for now, but I guess we'll say um, I, I figured that was probably a one-time thing, but maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's the beginning of the end or something. Yeah, I, I hope mean, they keep it separate. Really? Because I like I feel like it should be. I like it better. Like the idea of it just mm. being unified. The problem I found with that is I, I worry the junior-sized teams will get lost in the shuffle. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah, that's right. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. I just felt like. Because both tag divisions, I feel like, are kind of, like, always dominated by, like, one or two teams. It would kind of, like, I guess, 
provide more interesting matches. But yeah, like definitely the juniors will, you know, suffer. Yeah. But so that's the next thing that starts only in two days from now uh, on Wednesday. So not a lot of time before the junior tag league starts. And the, the first matches are all at Cork. The first two shows are Cork and Hall. They're all running live. So Wednesday has your Punky 3K against Deathwing Ken and Mario, Birds of Prey against Fantasmo and Ishimori, uh, Taguchi and Romero against TJP and Clark Connors, and Volador, <laughs> Volador and Titan against Tiger Mask and Yuya Uimura. Um, the second day at Corican has Rapunki 3K against Birds of Prey, Fantasmo and Ishimori against Desperado and Kanemaru. That actually might be my most anticipated match of the two days because I kind of think like the heel sleaze teams up against each other could be really fun. Yeah. Um, Vol- Volador and Teton against TJP and Connors and Taguchi and Romero against Tiger Mask and Uimura. So some good stuff there. We'll see. And then there's a lot of VOD shows after that with like only one one match. And then we go back to Korokin on the 27th and 28th. And then of course it wraps up back with the top two teams meeting each other at Power Struggle on November 3rd. So... We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, let's. We're already gone like two hours, so we can wrap it up. But I guess I did say we talk about AEW a little bit. If you want to like give very brief thoughts, I guess on the first two weeks of TV. I don't know what right. you think. It's. I think you're someone who watched both of them. Yeah, I watched both episodes of AEW so far. Um. I guess I kind of got what I expected, which was, you know, I really love the women and the men's single division, not quite as excited by. Um, I think the big thing for me that I guess I was really into was that people were really supportive of like new talent, like with like Riho and Nyla and then with Private Party. Um, I think that was really awesome. Uh, to see that people actually are excited about seeing something new and it's not just like a bunch of like elite fanboys who like only want to talk about the elite because that's what elite fanboys seem to be to me when they were like in New Japan like they never wanted to talk about like the rest of New Japan but I don't know maybe there that's like a real minority and there's enough people who just want an alternate American wrestling program that actually are excited for new talent. So, yeah. The, 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 my thing with the first two weeks, I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. I think the highlights so far are clearly the women's division and the tag division. I think those are like the two standout things where both of the two best matches each week, week one, the best match was clearly uh, Nyla and Riho and then week two, the best match was Young Bucks and Private Party. Yeah. Um, you know, both were like three and three quarter level. Um, the men's singles division, like the that's the biggest issue I have with AEW, where like I just don't like enough of those wrestlers to really like carry an entire division. And, you know, like there's there's some stuff that was pretty good on both weeks, but like there was also like um, you know, week one at Hangman Page and Pac was just like, you know, like a three and a quarter star match. Uh, Cody and Sammy was like surprisingly good, but that's still like you know three and a half left star level. And then week week two, you know where the men's singles division I think really dried things down is like you know Darby and Jimmy Havoc. I love I actually really like Darby, but Jimmy Havoc's a bad pro wrestler. And oh, I, not- I I feel like the exact same way. Like I really you know I'd never seen Darby Allen previous to 
him being in AW and I'm already really liking him, but Jimmy Havoc just gives me secondhand embarrassment and <laughs> I don't like watching him. Yeah. So like maybe him and Jericho will be good next week, but I did not like that match. And like, and then Moxie and Sean Spears, it's like, <sighs> like they have they have to get over Sean Spears. They have to stop with this fucking ten guy push. And mm. I've heard people say, "Oh, he's just a mid carder. It's fine." It's like he shouldn't even be going 50-50 with John Moxley. I know. He looks stupid. He's a like, bad wrestler. Like there's people on the roster who like like men's wrestlers who haven't even been on the show yet. Yet I keep having to watch fucking Sean Spears, and I'm like, I <laughs> don't care about this guy. Like I like I love Moxley and like you know, everything, but that match was just so boring. Like, I just, when, like, Kenny came out, I was like, oh, good. Oh, good. Something exciting is going to happen with Moxley, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I don't have to... I, he, now he's coming out with, like, Tully Blanchard and everything. It's like, they're really trying so hard to make him seem like a big deal, and it's like, he isn't. No one cares. He's, he's fucking 10 guy. No one cares. <laughs> um... I mean, I I liked both shows overall. And I'm going to keep watching. I think just I was a little bit surprised by the level of praise for week two because that show it's like that show started really well because like the private party on books match was really good. And I thought the Jericho promo was really good, but then it, like it fell off a cliff for a long time after that because again it was like Darby Allen against uh, what the fuck's his name Jimmy Havoc, and then. You know, the, the Joshi match, was, which was not as good as the week before the tag match, mostly because Britt Baker is very bad. Oh, man. Um, I was I was so <laughs> pissed off that they didn't give Emi Sakura, like, a real, um, like, intro. Like, yeah. you know, instead I had to watch, like, the stupid, like, B Priestley intro. And I'm like, I hate, I hate her. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch her. I'm like, why can't you? It's like, it's like, Emi Sakura is like, you know like a like a like legendary wrestler and then b Priestley's like no one gives a fuck i mean i guess some <laughs> people do for some reason it's, i don't know but yeah then then mock then moxie spear so that's like those three matches back to back to back that wasn't good and that was like the very boring middle portion the main event the tag match is pretty good but again like you know like three and a quarter level so Overall, like if I was going to score these two shows, like week one, I would give like a nine. Like I thought week one was a pretty, pretty gigantic success. And the only reason why I wouldn't give it a 10 is because that the thing of the main event where like Moxie ran out and attacked Kenny, like right in front of the ref, that was really stupid. But uh, and it wasn't a disqualification, I mean. Yeah. So, so like that's about the only thing keeping it from a 10. Week two, I'd only give like a six out of 10. It was still a, you know, it's still called a good show, but like I, I don't want to go through periods like that whole middle portion again, where it's like, you know, three matches in a row that are all pretty bad. Yeah. So I think I, um, I, I think I pretty much would give it the same. Yeah. So, and you know, may, that's also why if they could make a deal, because Tony Khan apparently was complaining about this recently. Like we, oh, we send a lot of our wrestlers to eight to new Japan. It'd be nice if they could send some back. First of all, buddy, you gave them contracts that say they can go work new Japan. So it's yeah. not you sending anybody. But anyway, um, I, I, if if they could get like you know random New Japan people on their show, that would go a long way because I think the the big problem they have right now is a lack of like wrestling talent, especially in like the the sing the male singles division. So if they could like you know if you replace Sean Spears with like 
you know, Kota Ibushi or something on like a random episode, obviously the, the talent level will go way higher. Yeah, but so, if you put Kota Ibushi on a random episode, I think Kenny would have like a heart attack and not be able to be on the show. So I don't know how that would go. <laughs> but like, yeah. they have Anybody. I mean, they have a, a deal with DDT. So don't they? Like, there's something going on with DDT. So, you know, I don't know why they can't, you know, just be like, here, why have Sean Spears when you could have, like, Tetsuya Endo or something? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's the big... Whatever they do, they need to do something to, like, bring up the talent level of those, like, the, the male singles roster. I think that that's the big flaw right now. Because I think, you know, the production stuff is really... It's really cool, and... Yeah. Just having an American television show that's like American wrestling television show that's like shot by normal people again is yeah. really nice. Like, like it's not like bang, 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 camera, camera changes. Oh, and like yeah. announcers screaming at you and like all that shit. So that like their biggest weakness or their biggest like not weakness, their biggest strength is how bad WWE is. Like they're starting <laughs> They're starting with like such a huge advantage because the bar on American tele- television wrestling is like underground at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a big advantage. So you know, when you compare it to WWE, I totally get why people are just acting like it's the best show that's ever aired. So I, you know, I totally understand that, and I'm not trying to take it down for anybody if they if they think it's like the greatest thing they've ever seen. Um, you know, and I and it, even with my complaints with like some of the roster and like some of the, and that kind of thing, I'm still gonna keep watching. I'm still excited to watch it each week so far. Oh yeah. So they're, they're they're clearly doing something right. But if I had any complaints, I would like to see like you know just better, like a better roster. I guess is the best complaint I have. Yeah, I'd like to see more with like like the women. Like one of my big issues with WWE is it feels like with the women, like outside of like the title scene, like nothing happens or it's like just really catty storylines so i guess i'd like to see maybe a more even balance between like men and women you know that would really feel like a big difference mm-hmm. and a big improvement from wwe um but i mean yeah like otherwise yeah i just like like to see maybe yeah more of a bigger roster better roster you know i already have a lot of great people but I mean, it's pretty good so far, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, a nine and a six—that's, uh, you know, those are two good, two good numbers. I mean, it's not like that's a bad, it's bad numbers, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I hope they, I hope they just don't have a stretch of matches like they had this past week again. That's my my big ask of them: is please do not put Jimmy Havoc and Sean Spears in single <laughs> matches anymore. Oh God. Uh, anything else to say, I guess, about the first two weeks of AEW? Um. Oh, what's with like the whole Jack Swagger thing? Why? I don't get that. I don't get. I'm like nobody wants to watch him, but he's here. That's true. Yeah. I mean, at least they shut down that fucking uh, "We the People" shit. Yeah. But it's still like. Uh. You know, it's kind of annoying to see like 
have like Cody say like, oh, I, we're not going to just be like any ex WWE guy who's frustrated can come here. And then like the big shocking debut at the end of episode one is like an ex WWE guy that wasn't even like someone who was like super over or whatever, like the way like Moxley was, you know, it's just like a, a random mid Carter guy. Woo. Yeah. You know, I'm um, getting breaking news, by the way, as we're on the air. Mike Bennett requested his release from WWE. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. It's a very. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just say, honestly, if they put, like, if I was given the cucking storyline, I would <laughs> immediately request leave. Be like, no not... amount of money <laughs> let me to do this. Can you believe they have two cucky storylines at once? Oh my god. I I I explained this to my younger brother who like he's like this hipster type who like not into wrestling. And when I said there's two cucking storylines, the look on his face was like it was like he he's never seen anything more horrifying in his life. Can I'm you like, imagine just like being like there's one cucking storyline is not enough? We have to have two. <laughs> we have to have two. Like how can uh, how can people defend WWE when they're like actively I, trying to get people like to make fun of them? It feels like it's like it feels like they're testing their diehard fan base. Yeah, I mean that that fucking Shorty Gable thing, which I think oh my the God. Shorty Gable was like. That was like the ultimate, like, we want to see what people, how far can we go and people will still defend it. It was like, let's take this really good wrestler with an Olympic background and give him a fucking name about how short he is and see if people will defend it online. Like, if and I said do. this on Twitter, but like, if, if they do, they do. People do defend it. Like, look, I said this on Twitter. If you are online defending Shorty Gable, you should be checking yourself into a fucking clinic for Stockholm Syndrome. Like, put down the fucking keyboard and get yourself some help. Because that's like, what you need at this point. Literally, the only excuse for that is if these people are, like, being paid, like, a lot of money by Vince McMahon. <laughs> Not just, like, any amount of money. Like, it has What's to be, like, you know, like... an more than enough money to live on like it has to be something <laughs> so ridiculous like it has to be like saudi money basically to get me to buy <laughs> that people are defending this yeah i don't know it's something shorty gable <laughs> but yeah mike bennett mike bennett and his 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 uh his thing basically said he his the reason why he's quitting is because he wants to go work 30 minute matches in front of uk german and japanese crowds so uh i don't know i hope i don't know if i really need to see mike bennett in a 30 minute match in japan anytime soon but maybe that's coming if he gets released who knows yeah uh look any anything has to be better than the cuck storyline so. <laughs> yeah yeah. But yeah, I guess sometimes he just woke up one day and was like, wait a second. Uh, <laughs> I don't, this isn't good. Yeah. It's like, it's just like one of those situations where it's like, I guess it's like he became so used to it that he forgot that he didn't have to do this. And then like, I can't imagine how much amazing it must have felt when he realized that he could quit. Like, that must be the most freeing feeling. Like, 
I don't have to be this miserable anymore. I can yeah. leave. It's really, it's really something, man. I don't, I don't even know, like, what to say anymore about WWE at this point, but it's something. It's something, yeah. Uh, so I guess that's a good place to wrap up. I didn't ask for questions this time because, uh, you know, the first like asking for questions would have been basically been spoiling myself <laughs> the only <laughs> show we're covering or the show i hadn't watched yet so we can wrap it up here i guess really quickly uh remember to we have a new channel on the voice wrestling discord which just opened up if you want if you're listening to this and you want to talk to me or to other guests or like you know other listeners so that's a cool place to hang out also on the super jcast discord um you know, you can follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Wrestling didn't fit. And that's pretty much it. Why don't you go ahead and plug your Twitter account, Haley? Oh, yeah. Um, you can follow me at uh, itchchwerrycolored. C-H-O-E-R-R-Y. And then colored spelled the British way. Uh, make sure you put... Can you explain? Oh. Can you explain that handle for me? Because I've always wondered... What is that okay. handle? So originally, my online handle just everywhere was Cherry Colored, which is from a song by the Cocktoo Twins, who are my favorite band. Um, but I ended up changing it because um, I guess Cherry, like spelled like that, is the stage name of a member of the Korean girl group Luna, Stan Luna, of course. Um, and so I'm a big fan of theirs and I just thought it would be fun to kind of add that, you know, it didn't really change the name that much. So that's basically it. Uh, I'm glad, I don't know why you mentioned this made me think of this, but if anyone listening, uh, is into like, I guess, Japanese idol music, definitely check out the new Jarena solo album. I, I don't know if you've heard Jarena. it yet. I haven't heard Have it yet. Heard yeah, it's so good. Uh, it's a, Her album's called Priority. It's like the uh, former guest, Taylor, actually brought it. It was the one who brought it up to me because he's like, this album is so weird because like the first three songs sound like they're like Japanese light FM or something, which they <laughs> totally do. And it's really weird. But then once you get past those first three songs, the rest of it is like much more typical like idol J-pop, but it's really, really good. Like there's a couple songs that you will never be able to get out of your head once you hear them. So oh yeah, listening to the Robert. That's my favorite kind of music, J-pop, so. that I can't get out of my head. <laughs> so you should check out Privacy then. There you I go. will. Uh, and if you're listening too, check out Privacy. Um, I don't get paid for this, so <laughs> plugging it, plugging it anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's also like the that was that's the for a wrestling connection. That's like the idol who's like friends with Kenny Omega too. So. Yeah, um, but um, I don't. I guess they're still friends. I don't know. Didn't say. Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I guess, idol connections with with wrestling. I guess, yeah. which is really interesting. Like Okada is married to like similar. one of my favorite idols, and then like there's Kenny in the Bang Dream commercials. A lot of I don't know. It's cool though. Love like idol wrestling crossovers. See now you could you should you should go manage Oka. When Oka goes for revenge against Okada for stealing his waifu. I know. I know. <laughs> guys... I, I I need to do that. <laughs> the two of you can go for revenge together. 
Yeah, we can we can cosplay her character, her like her characters too. Like he's gonna dress up as Umi from Love Live, like in the the whole entire like little idol outfit. And I guess I'll find I'll find something to wear another another Love Live outfit to wear, and we'll we'll match. <laughs> It'll be great. There you go. But because uh, Oka just returned, if people aren't aware, he just showed up and uh, he showed up in RevPro and won their tag titles, actually. Yeah, kind of cool. So, all right, folks, thank you for listening. Uh, next week we'll be back with a another draft episode, so that'll be um, you know that'll be the next episode. We're, we we haven't done a draft all year, so we're just we're not doing a whole draft series this year. We're doing like just like a one time. Um, worldwide draft just to do one this year i mean honestly just because i couldn't think of anything else for next week like there's not a lot going on this week i didn't want to just talk about the junior tag league so next week the draft returns the first worldwide draft the only draft episode of the of the week um have andrew rich and paul vosh from the vow slack coming on and then i opened it up to the discords and like the discord omakase channels and Gave out two random spots, so two random listeners are coming on. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, But that'll be next week. Until then, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next time.